Political Thoughts with Steve is brought to you by Anchor. Go to anchor.fm today to start your free podcast or download the Anchor app from all major app stores. And welcome to this week's episode of Political Thoughts with Steve. I'm your host, Stephen Murphy. Welcome, welcome, welcome to all of my fellow political nerds out there in podcast land. I hope everyone had a great week and weekend. I know I did. Um, there has been a lot going on in politics over the last week. So this week's episode, we will be talking about part three of the government shutdown, the longest government shutdown in U.S. history. But spoiler alert. The government shutdown has finally ended. However, it's only ended for two weeks. So we're going to be talking about what could happen those two weeks, what may not happen those two weeks, and if another shutdown is just on the horizon. So we'll be talking about that. Also, we'll be talking about racism in today's youth. Yes, I will be giving you my thoughts on what happened in D.C. involving these students from Covington Catholic High School involving this Indian man who is a Vietnam era veteran. Um, we'll be talking about that also this week in Trump. We'll be talking about the drama between President Trump and Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, or as I like to call this segment, hashtag no fly Nancy or hashtag no stay of the union, Donald. And also a pop quiz to all of my fellow political nerds and fellow non-political nerds out there, because obviously we have some fans out there that, you know, isn't really big fans of politics, but love our podcast. So the question for all of you and no cheating, was there any presidents that did not deliver a State of the Union address in front of Congress? That answer may actually shock you. So... We'll be talking about that. And also our final segment this week of Final Thoughts of Steve, we'll be talking about America's heroes, paying tribute to America's heroes, including the special tribute to a local law enforcement officer that lost his life in the line of duty last week. So sit back and relax. Get yourself a cold drink. I've got mine right here. And we will be right back for this week's episode of Political Thoughts with Steve. And welcome back to this week's episode of Political Thoughts with Steve. So our first segment of this week is part three of the government shutdown. And as you probably know by now, the government shutdown is temporarily over. Uh, President Small Hands, a.k.a. President Orange Face, a.k.a. President Orange Orangutan, Donald Trump has decided to sign a continuing resolution that would keep the government funding all the way until, I believe, February 15th. So that gives us two, maybe three weeks of not worrying, you know, not worrying of a shutdown, but, you know, 
that sense is still lingering in the horizon that will there be a shutdown? Is there going to be another government shutdown? If so, how long will this one last? Because if there's anything that was proven through these 35, 36 days of a government shutdown is Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi, they do not work well at all together. They are not compatible at all. If there's one thing Donald Trump hates, it's powerful women. So what's going to happen? Um, as It's as if President Donald Trump's humiliation over the government shutdown and his failed push to honor his core campaign promise never happened. So how many of y'all remember that whole let's build a wall bullshit that Donald Trump was preaching when he was running for president? I remember it because I went to a Trump campaign rally when he came to my hometown back in 2015. I didn't go because I supported President Trump. I went because... I'm a political nerd and I wanted to hear a candidate, but who remembers that? I do. And all he was saying throughout that whole time when he would say, let's build a wall is Mexico is going to pay for the wall. But guess what? I wasn't stupid then. I'm not stupid now. And I'm pretty sure that none of y'all are stupid. So guess what? Mexico says, yeah, we're not going to pay for a wall. So, He's done more in the first two years than any president. That is what President Trump said. Trump tweeted that actually tonight, hitting back at overwhelming media consensus that he has just, you know, been outplayed and bitch slapped by Nancy Pelosi. But whether the president is simply defiant or in denial or is yet to process the lessons of the 35 day Government shutdown that ended on Friday. He's facing wrenching political choices. So going forward, he would have to adopt a fundamental change to approach of approach if he is going to wring money for his border wall and revive a presidency so badly damaged by his loss to Democrats in the first clash of the new era of divided government. That is crazy if you think about it. And also, the Democrats are getting ready for next year. There have been a number of candidates who have announced over the last three days, including Kamala Harris. Yes, everyone knows Kamala Harris. I'm a big fan of Kamala Harris. She has announced, she actually announced today that she's going to be running for president in 2020. So her campaign officially started today. There's a couple more that have announced that they're going to run. We are waiting for Bernie Sanders to announce that he's running, and we are waiting for Joe Biden to announce that he is running. The moment that Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden announce, game on. Because I don't know about any of y'all. Some of y'all are Bernie fans. Some of y'all are still kind of pissed at Bernie. In fact, a lot of y'all are still pissed off at Bernie from what I've been reading on Facebook and Twitter. I was a Bernie fan in 2016, even after he got screwed by Hillary and the DNC when he, you know, just, he was like, you know, y'all go vote for Hillary. I was still a Bernie fan. Yeah, I was pissed off, but you know what? I got over it. I think a lot of y'all need to get over it. It happened in 2016. This is 2019. It's three years later. Let's get over the shit. 
and let's continue to push forward because I'm telling you this right now, Bernie Sanders is about to announce that he's running for president. Also, Joe Biden, I mean, I've been a fan of Joe Biden since I was a kid. And the cool thing, when I was going through my undergrad studies, I read a lot of books on Joe Biden. And the more I read about Joe Biden, the more I researched Joe Biden, the more I just loved Joe Biden. And, you know, not to mention he was one of our greatest vice presidents. I mean, he made that job look probably better than what it was. And the, you know, relationship he had with President Obama, I mean, it's just everything about Joe Biden just makes you just want to vote for the guy. So I don't know about y'all, but I'm actually going to be pretty conflicted come primary day here in my home state because I'm going to go to the polls. Last or two years ago when primaries came up, I knew who I was going to vote for. I knew Bernie Sanders. I knew I was going to vote for Bernie Sanders. However, this primary season, you are looking at Bernie Biden, possibly Beto O'Rourke, Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, and I think there's one more. I mean, this is going to be a big, big deal. And there's already reports circulating around the interweb saying, you know, Hillary Clinton's looking for maybe to give one more final go-ahead to run for 2020. My advice is don't. Because, one... And I'm not, you know, saying this to piss off all the Hillary supporters out there, but Hillary pretty much cheated to get the nomination three years ago. And if there's one thing that should have been learned from 2016 is, first of all, you don't piss off millennial voters because millennial voters, when they're pissed, they don't show up. And when they don't show up, you get Donald Trump. Also, don't ever... Go ahead and put all of your cards in one person during the primaries. The The reason behind the primaries is for you to listen to all candidates. Yes, there is the popular ones. I already have, you know, my top three that I think is probably going to be the final three going into Super Tuesday. But you don't put all of your cards on one person. And... You need to be more vigilant. I mean, we saw the DNC screw Bernie in 2016. What's not to say that DNC hasn't learned that lesson? So, you know, there is a lot to look at for 2020. But back to our main topic of tonight. So, with this government shutdown coming to an end, this CR, this continuing resolution, will play out during a three-week short-term funding truce that was reached on Friday to end a shutdown that left 800,000 plus government workers without multiple paychecks on time and the nation's federal infrastructure just it was in complete chaos. Negotiations will take place between the panel of Republicans and Democrats from the House and the Senate in a search for a border security plan that everyone can sign off on. Now, the Democrats was offering get this billion for border security. That is exactly what Donald Trump wanted. However, it was for border security. It was not for a border wall. And then when Trump said no deal, 
they went back and said, all right, we'll give you $7 billion for border security. So obviously Democrats care about border, about border securities. They don't want open borders. I think that is one of the dumbest lies that Republicans say about as Democrats is, you know, we are for open borders. We are for illegal immigration. You know what? I'm not for illegal immigration. I'm for legal immigration. I just want an easier way for people who want to be a part of our culture, be a part of this melting pot that we call the United States. I just want it to be a little bit easier, not, you know, painstaking, because there's a lot of people who have been on this waiting list, you know, going back for almost over a decade that has been waiting for, that's been waiting, you know, to, you know, to become a legal U.S. citizen. There's people that, you know, is, you know, leaving Venezuela or leaving Mexico, leaving Colombia that's looking for refuge here in the United States that's, you know, claiming asylum status. But from what I hear, it's actually getting a little bit harder to actually get asylum status here in the United States. And it's because of the current administration right now does not want anyone getting asylum status unless of you know you're coming from Israel or you know you're coming from Pakistan or you know one of these countries that you know we're best friends with you know I think I said it like three weeks ago in my final segment you know we just need to stop being assholes and just start being better human beings towards each other I mean yes does people come into our country illegally yes should something be done about it Absolutely, but should we treat these people like they're dogs? Absolutely fucking not. They are not animals. And, well, why are they coming here in the first place? Well, to get that understanding, to get that answer, you need to start researching Mexico and all of Latin America. You need to understand, you know, their economic situation. They are terrible when it comes to their economic situation. A lot of these people are escaping Mexico because they know, one, they'll be able to make a better life for their kids and their families here in the United States. And two, rich white people will hire illegal immigrants. I mean, come on. Who else is going to be picking, you know, our crops? You think most white people will be out there picking these crops? I mean, I hate to tell you this, but I think the days of going out there and picking crops in 180 degree weather. I think those days are over. And plus, you know, most of us, if we're going to be out there, we're going to be demanding some pay, you know, all right, we'll, you know, you pay us like 20 bucks an hour. We'll, you know, go and, you know, pick lettuce where we have immigrants that's coming in from Mexico that desperately need, need jobs. They start picking, they start picking this lettuce, you know, for, you know, five bucks an hour or maybe less. But one of the problems is that, one, this money isn't taxed, and two, a lot of this money is actually going back to Mexico to their families. So, you know, there is a lot of problems going on right now with our immigration system. And one of the problems is, you know, we need to make it easier for people to become legalized United States citizens. I always say the best way to prove to a country that you want to be there is to join their military. Now, when I was in the military, as everyone everyone knows, I'm a veteran. I'm a Navy veteran. Um, But when I was in, 
I couldn't tell you how many people that I saw, like, you know, every week, you know, going through the, um, you know, taking their oath of allegiance to the U.S. through the U.S. Navy and other military divisions or military branches. That's a good way to prove that, you know, you want to be here is, is you know, basically saying, look, I want to be here so bad. I'm willing to die for this nation. But, you know, why not do that? Or, you know, just make it easier for people to become citizens of this great country. I mean, we have built our country up as being that shining beacon on a hill that, you know, welcomes, you know, everyone from all over the world. And, you know, over the last two years, it's like we're trying to kill that image very quickly. But, you know, this is the image that, you know, Ronald Reagan even, you know, painted for the United States, that we need to be that shiny beacon on a hill for, you know, for immigrants that are coming to this country to get away from oppression, getting away from, from regimes that are destroying other countries. But, you know, our fearless leader right now thinks, well, you know, a border wall is going to be the answer to that story. Now, I did see a story online. I forgot where I saw it from, but I guaranteed it was a, you know, it was a logical news source. It wasn't, you know, BuzzFeed or it wasn't, was that other one that the alt-right loves? Um, the one that Bannon had. Yeah, you all know that one. Um, you know, it wasn't one of those. It was actually a logical it was actually a legit uh, news website that I was reading. And it was actually um, on the border wall. I think it was in Arizona. They found like a huge ass hole, like right there in the middle or right there under it that people have dug under the wall or under the border fence to get into the United States. So a border wall is not going to solve this problem. We need immigration reform and we need more training, and probably, you know, put more federal agents on the border. Um, maybe that will help. Um, but, you know, maybe some of y'all have, you know, an answer of what's going on right now that can actually help our immigration system, because obviously we do have a broken immigration system. So moving on from immigration. So a second shutdown could turn into an even bigger disaster for Donald Trump. For one thing, Capitol Hill Republicans who were frustrated with his strategy over the last month might think twice about following the president into another political dead end. And Nancy Pelosi basking in her victory seems even less open to offering Trump the kind of congressional comp compromise that could allow him to say he got money for the wall and for Democrats to argue that they had funded border security. So he's in a jam right now. And do I feel sorry for the asshole? Absolutely not. I do not feel sorry for him and neither should you. But what would be certain is a court battle over this wall and a limit to the amount of funds that the president could juggle means such a strategy might save political face and could unite his base, but is unlikely to lead to swift wall construction that could boost his 2020 re-election race.
Now, over the last few weeks, it's been made clear that Democrats who run the House of Representatives are not going to give Trump anything that looks like a campaign vision of a border wall without getting something serious in return. And I'm hoping that they do not give him any kind of money for a border wall. I mean, let's give him a dollar. You know, let, let's just give him a dollar. Um, but, you know, when he came up with this, this last plan before Friday, you know, he offered a temporary shield to DACA recipients and over migrants covered by the temporary protective status for three years in a bid to break the deadlock and the government shutdown negotiations. You know, here's the thing. He's always been saying that DACA is the devil. You know, these kids who were brought here should be thrown out, even though that many of these kids are grown adults contributing to society, paying taxes. You know, some of these kids are now doctors and immigration lawyers or firefighters, police officers. Hell, some of them are serving in our military, but screw them. We need to send their asses back to Mexico. That is what Donald Trump says. But the Democrats refuse that shit. Nancy Pelosi, you know, I did not like Nancy in, you know, 2006, 2007, when she was, you know, when she became Speaker of the House. It's because she didn't have any backbone, really. I mean, looking at her, you know, she had many political defeats. Um, you know, she lost, I think the House actually lost the majority, I think, two or four years later. And then, you know, she was back, you know, as minority leader. But, you know, she just, she just couldn't get it. Now, it's like she has learned from every single mistake. This woman means business. And if I was a Republican in the House of Representatives, I would be kind of afraid of Nancy Pelosi. So... The changed balance of power in Washington has put Trump in a deeply ironic position that he might have to do something he's never done before. He could risk his connection to his base. Now, I guarantee you Trump is probably going to say this. One, the Democrats did not give him his wall. Two, the Democrats do not care about border security, which means Democrats don't care that MS-13 is killing everyone in Southern California or in Texas. Three, the Democrats do not care about his base at all. Now, knowing Donald Trump, he he actually said something during the during the campaign. I think he said that he could probably go commit murder in the middle of Times Square on a busy day and still get reelected. And it's true. His base would reelect him in a heartbeat because his base is a bunch of crazy people that, you know, <laughs> they just want to see the world burn. And, you know, if you ask my brother, which I know for a fact my brother's listening to this, he's he every conversation him and I have, it always goes back to. You know, man, I can't wait till I'm 50 or 60, you know, when we're old and gray and, you know, making fun of people or, you know, talking about, you know, what's going on in the world. And he's, he always has this bummer, like, sense to the conversation that he's like, if we make it to 50 or 60, well, thanks for throwing a damper in my fucking parade, dude. But, yeah, I mean, 
according to my brother, if you ask my brother right now, we don't have a future over the next 15 years. We might get to 15 years from now before the world burns. But, you know, I'm still very hopeful. I'm still hopeful that we will have a future, you know, 25, 35 years from now and beyond for, you know, my grandchildren and hopefully my great grandchildren. Um, but, you know, what does that mean, though? Going back to the original conversation about, you know, this government shutdown. So what could happen? Well, here's here's the thing. You have two weeks, possibly three, to come up with an agreement to secure funding for a border wall or secure more funding for border security. Will it be reached? Probably not. I'm I am about 110% convinced with this Congress, with this House, that no, Donald Trump will not get money for his stupid fucking border wall. Nancy Pelosi will tell him, screw you, it ain't happening. And there's just gonna be, you know, another argument between these two children, and then the government's gonna shut down again. Or Trump could risk losing his base, which I don't see him ever losing his base. However, there has been some crap coming out with, you know, like Rush Limbaugh and Ann Coulter. I mean, even the Wicked Witch of the West was on Bill Maher this weekend saying, you know, she's not really too happy with Donald Trump right now because of, you know, all these, you know, mixed promises that he is not keeping. And I'm like, oh, my God, a politician did not keep a promise. Who would ever thought that? The guy that you elected who was always about, you know, we're going to build a wall and Mexico is going to pay for it. His ass isn't keeping his promise. But you know what? If Ann Coulter, if Ann Coulter, you know, decides, you know, she's done with Trump, she is a huge mouthpiece for his base. So, you know, that could be a problem. Now, as long as Trump has Fox News or his national security team at Fox News giving him the advice, that they give him every morning, he may not lose it. So, you know, we'll see about that. But is there a possibility that Donald Trump, you know, could get a deal, you know, through the House and the Senate? I think anything's possible, but, you know, don't put all of your money on the stupid border wall because it's probably not going to happen. So we'll, we'll be right back. And we're back to this week's episode of Political Thoughts with Steve. So segment two, we're going to be talking about the dangers of racism. Now, this is going to go to that story that happened last week involving the kids at Covington High School and this Native American Vietnam era veteran. I believe his name was Nathan Phillips. Yeah, that's his name, Nathan Phillips. Um. So, let me paint the picture. Okay, so these kids from Kentucky that go to Covington High School, or Covington Catholic High School, they went to Kentucky to be a part of the pro-life march that was going on last week. So, you know, they march, they have their, you know, red 
make America great again hats. I mean, right there, that made them a target, but you know, that that's a different conversation, but you know, they're, they're all at the Lincoln Memorial. I think it was the Lincoln Memorial. Um, and now there was another group there. Um, I think they were like part of a, a Jew, a black Muslim movement or a black Jewish movement. Um, you know, they were, you know, saying some stuff and one thing led to another and all of a sudden, you know, there's a bunch of high school kids arguing and then here comes Nathan Phillips. Nathan Phillips comes into the picture. He is banging on a drum. But from what you see, he you see him banging on the drum, singing what appears to be songs of Indian culture. And then you have this smug white kid, this... This kid, he is, you know, just smugging. I mean, every time I've seen the video, I just want to slap the shit out of the kid. But, you know, that just wouldn't be polite. Um, And, you know, you see the video panning around and, you know, these kids are, you know, just, they're just acting disrespectful. I mean, they're acting like, you know... 13 to 16, 17 year old high school kids act. But, you know, I'm like, where the hell were the chaperones at? One. And two, you're walking around Washington, D.C. wearing these red hats. You basically put a target on your back the moment that you wear a hat like that. So, you know, kid, that took balls, but don't say that this wasn't a political statement while you're wearing a Make America Great Again hat. Because there's a lot of people in the world that do not like that hat. They do not like people who wear that hat. I mean, I've even seen the comparison that, you know, now the KKK doesn't wear white hoods. They wear those red Make America Great Again hats. So, yeah, that's the picture that I'm painting for everyone that does not know this story. So, anyways, this is going on. Um, he uh, Nathan Phillips is part of the Omaha Nation of Indians. Um, but a story that came out last week after he's actually offering to travel to Covington Catholic high school in Kentucky to talk about the importance of respecting diverse cultures. Now, there has been a lot of talk about this guy and, you know, being around my friends, I can tell you that the talk is, you know, one, he wasn't a Vietnam uh, war veteran. Okay, first of all, yes, this story was completely destroyed by the media. CNN, MSNBC, Fox, they are all guilty of taking this story, just blowing it out of proportion. First of all, Nathan Phillips even said he wasn't a Vietnam war veteran. He was a Vietnam era veteran. and there was a guy that I've watched on YouTube. I actually like the guy because he calls out all these. Um, there's this term called stolen valor. To us military people, we take that very, very seriously when we see someone, com- you know, committing stolen valor. These are people that you know go to these thrift shops and buy these military uniforms and these medals and you know claim to be you know veterans so they can get free meals and free handouts and you know free thank yous when they have never signed up for the military. They never served a day in their life. But anyways, this guy 
on YouTube. I think his name is um I know it's Shipley. He is a he's an ex US Navy SEAL, an old senior chief. Um he's really awesome to watch. Um if you know if you're into that kind of stuff, just go on YouTube and you know type in, you know, a fake Navy SEAL guy and you know it'll pop him up. Anyways, he already debunked the national media story. Um, he got his hands on a Freedom of Information Act that you know gave you know, all the information on this guy, and you know he never served in Vietnam. In fact, I think he served like two years in the military, and then the second time he served like three, four months in the military. So, anyways, you know he he's still a veteran. Um, you know he did serve in the military. But the mil- but the news was saying, well, he's a Vietnam veteran. No, he's a Vietnam era veteran. So, anyways, let's get back to the story. So, between this, I mean, the only thing you saw on Twitter and on Facebook and the comments when it comes to this kid is you just want to smack the shit out of him. I mean, I was one of them. I'm guilty of saying it. I wanted to go through the screen and just beat the shit out of him because. You know, why while this guy is banging his drum, you know, this kid just has a smirk look like this asshole. My daddy is rich. I'm going to see you kind of look. I mean, you've seen this before. I mean, you know, you see it all the time. Just go to, you know, college campuses. You you see these kinds of people out there. And, you know, the news took this story and just you know, blew everything out of proportion with it, though. So, videos of the encounter from different angles led to polarized opinions on whether the teens were mocking Phillips or whether Phillips was interfering with them. Now, Phillips said he decided to approach the teens when he saw an escalating situation between them and that um, Jewish group that was, you know, calling these white kids crackers and, you know, just other racial slurs. Now, our fearless leader, he has publicly sided with a group of students, calling them symbols of fake news and how evil the fake news can be. Um, they've been invited to the White House, but any meeting, any you know, meeting would probably take place after all this government shutdown shit is finally over. Um, you know, he the, the the kid did an interview with um, I think NBC. And, you know, I watched the interview, but, you know, this kid looked totally stoned out of his mind, by the way. And if you don't believe me, just go watch the interview. This kid just looks just completely out of his mind. Um, so, yeah, that's what's going on with that Covington Catholic High School story. Um, you know, the, um, the diocese of the high school took precautionary measures, um, you know, saying that these kids will be disciplined after the, you know, during the, you know, the investigation shows that the kids were in the wrong, they'll be disciplined. And then there was protests involved and, you know, just the situation just escalated and keeps escalating and escalating. So with this situation, we need to talk about the whole racist shit that's going on right now in our country. Now, before Trump, most racists stayed in the shadows. You knew they were racist, but they never said anything. Now it's like most racists come out because they it is okay for them to start talking their shit. 
I always say that racism is taught at home. When a child is born, that child does not know racial slurs. That child doesn't know that he should, you know, hate someone that is not, you know, the color of his skin. That child doesn't know that. But when he's around a family that, you know, have a lot of hatred in their hearts that claim to be Christians, by the way, because, you know, most most racists I knew, you know, they were like, well, you know, I go to church, but I still hate black people and I still hate Mexicans and hate those Asians because they're taking all of our high tech jobs. I mean, I'm like, how can you still be a Christian with all this hate, hate in your heart, though? I think that's a logical question to ask someone. Um, but, you know, kids are taught this at home, you know, hearing mom and dad, you know, using racial slurs at the dinner table or, you know, talking about, you know, a neighbor down the street who happens to be black or Mexican or Asian. You know, they hear that kids are like sponges. And trust me, I know I have a kid myself. I mean, I couldn't tell you how many times that my son has said a cuss word because he's heard it from me. And yes, I have gotten in trouble because of that. Um, you know, both from my parents and I think there was actually one incident at his last school. He actually said, I think he called a teacher a dumbass or something. Um, anyways, you know, there's been an incident and, you know, he said, well, dad said it was okay for me to say it. And when all actuality, I never said that it was okay for him to say it. But anyways, moving on from, you know, some of my failures as a parent, kids listen to their parents. Kids are sponges. They soak up shit. So when you have parents who, you know, are just hardcore racist, you know, they soak that up and they go out to the world and, you know, they spread that hatred. You know, we live in 2019 now. Racism should have been done 10 years ago. You know, it's been preached, you know, all over the place that parents need to stop teaching their kids, you know, all this hatred. Parents need to stop, you know, teaching their kids that because you're white, you're better than everyone else. Or because you go to this private school, you're better than the kids that goes to the public school. You know, parents just need to stop being assholes, too. You know, I think there was like a Twitter post I posted last week that said, you know, if you stop teaching your kids to be, you know, not to be assholes, they won't end up on the news becoming national embarrassments. And it's true. We need to go back, to, you know, when I wouldn't say go back to a time that, you know, kids were better disciplined. I think that we need to restructure our culture. And we need to take that and go back into our homes and teach our kids that, you know, it is not okay to hate someone because, you know, the color of their skin or their current living situation. When I worked with kids, and the majority of the kids I worked with were African Americans that, you know, came from the projects. You know, I used to tell them, you know, yeah, I was a kid that grew up in a trailer park. My mom, a single mom working two full-time jobs, putting me and my sister through school. Um, you know, thank God, you know, I had some, you know, I had amazing grandparents who also helped support us, but my mom 
there was like a time, I think, that it was my late brother, Lord rest his soul, Sean. Um, he went to school and he actually said something racist to a little black girl. The school called my mom. My mom went up to the school, got him out of school, took him home, whooped his ass, sent him back to school, and made him apologize to the whole to the whole class, including the little girl that he said it to. And she always said, because you know, sometimes, <laughs> you know, you know, I was around some some crazy people. She'd always say, look, don't ever become like them. Don't ever go to school and judge someone because of the color of their skin or, you know, their current living arrangement because, you know, people have it worse than you. And she was all, she was always right. And that's something that I took from my childhood and, you know, went into, you know, my adult life. And when I was working with the kids, you know, I'm like, you know, the moment you're born, you're born into the stereotype that, you know, you're going to fail. You've got to prove everyone wrong. And it's sad that, you know, there is that stereotype. But the kids that I, you know, was working with, I mean, they were great kids. Yeah, I miss them to this day. They were just really great kids. So, the news took you know, back to the original topic. The news took it and just misconstrued it just like the news always does. I mean, it created a huge firestorm on social media. And, you know, that, you know, that was it. That was it. Now, the American Indian Movement Chapter of Indiana, Kentucky, held a peace vigil to call for an end to racism on Tuesday morning. At Covington. It said that the diocese has not responded to the group's request to meet. Um, you know, they keep reaching out, but, you know, they, they're still not getting any kind of response from them. Um, but, you know, they want to meet with Covington and meet with their students and, you know, explain to them, you know, this isn't cool. So here's my advice to everyone, including you know, all of our adults that, you know, are listening. And I pray to God that, you know, a lot of your kids are probably at school by now. Um, let's stop being assholes. Let's stop teaching our kids that being, you know, racist is cool because it's not cool. Um, if your kid is acting like a, like a little asshole, beat his ass. Um, you know, I've had my ass whooped a lot when I was a kid. Hell, even sometimes now, my mom likes to, you know, hit me upside the head when I do something stupid. I mean, sometimes I still need it. Um, and I survived it, so I'm pretty sure your kids will survive it. Um, we just need to stop teaching our kids that, you know, this is okay. This is not okay. Um, just because our president does it doesn't mean that we need to be doing it. And... I am, I'm certain if we stop being assholes to each other, you know, that kindness is going to eventually start catching on and you're going to start seeing less of these stories happen, you know, in the news. So, yeah, the moral of this story is stop teaching your kids it's okay to be assholes and 
maybe we'll be better off. We'll be right back. Welcome back. So this is everyone's second favorite segment of the show. This is This Week in Trump, where we talk about the crazy shit that Donald Trump has been up to this week. And yeah, there's some you know noises. I was putting something away. Anyways, so at the beginning of the show, I asked a question. It was a question to all of my fellow political nerds out there. What presence did not deliver a State of the Union address? In front of Congress. So, researching that answer, there's some really cool facts about the State of the Union. So, the majority of this is going to be State of the Union. So, here's some really cool facts. First of all, the U.S. Constitution says nothing about when or how the State of the Union should be delivered. It only requires the President to periodically give Congress information on the condition of the nation, and recommend any measures that he believes are necessary and urgent. Also, back in the day, most U.S. presidents delivered the State of the Union as a written report. In 1913, here's here's the answer to your question. Every president before Woodrow Wilson did not give an address to Congress. They gave it to Congress through a handwritten report. In 1913, Woodrow Wilson reestablished the practice of delivering the address in person. Prior to that, the address was often written and sent to Congress because many believed the act of giving a speech was too monarchical. Yes, I have, you know, it was too much of a monarch. Here's another fun fact. The State of the Union Address, the message was given by George Washington in 1790. It was delivered in person and was the shortest address to date. Some say it lasted maybe 10 minutes. Every year, the Speaker of the House formally invites the President to the State of the Union Address. This goes back to the last segment when I was talking about, or two segments ago, when I said, you know, Nancy Pelosi has denied... Donald Trump an invitation to deliver the State of the Union address until after the shutdown is done. The Speaker has to formally invite the President to deliver his State of the Union address. The invitation comes in a form of a letter and is sent several weeks prior to the address. Also, during the State of the Union address, one Cabinet Secretary remains surrounded by Secret Service agents somewhere else, waiting to become president if a catastrophic event should occur. Now, this person is called the Designated Survivor, which has you know, become actually one of my favorite TV shows as of right now. The Designated Survivor is elected by the White House Chief of Staff and will become the president if everyone above him or her in the presidential line of succession dies in a crisis in the, in the U.S. House of Representatives. Following the September 11th terrorist attacks in 2001, it is now a tradition for a few members of Congress to relocate to undisclosed locations as well. Since 
1982 address has become common for the president to honor special guests sitting in the gallery. President Reagan was the first to do this and inspired a new term in the process. His, his acknowledgement of Lenny Skutnik during the 1992, 1982 address has led many to refer to gallery guests as Lenny Skutniks. Also, the Joint Chiefs of Staff and Supreme Court Justices, they rarely applaud during, during the address. Now, I've noticed that, you know, when it comes to the State of the Union address, that, you know, sometimes everyone else is clapping, but the Joint, the, the joint Chiefs aren't or the Supreme Court Justices aren't, and sometimes they do. Um, they do this in order to retain the appearance of political impartiality. Bill Clinton delivered the longest-lasting State of the Union address. It was his final State of the Union in 2000 and lasted about an hour and a half. During the 2011 address, all members of Congress sat together regardless of party and avoided standing while applauding. This was in response to the 2011 Tucson shooting in which Representative Gabriella Gabrielle Giffords was shot and wounded in an assassination attempt. The longest applause interruption during an address clocked in at 52 seconds. This was in 2007 when President George W. Bush honored Staff Sergeant Daniel Clay, who was killed while serving in Iraq. Congress members camp out all day to get an aisle seat at the State of the Union because who doesn't want to shake the president's hand on national television? And finally, most State of the Union speeches go through at least 20 drafts. There's a reason the State of the Union address captivates audiences worldwide. So there's some 12 fun facts regarding the State of the Union address. I know this is this week in Trump, but, you know, one of the big deals that happened last week was Pelosi, you know, denied President Trump, you know, his his uh, invitation to deliver the State of the Union address. And there was some questions of, you know, could, you know, would Trump, you know, just deliver it, you know, through written, through a written declaration or would he, you know, just give an address from the White House and deliver it from the White House? You know, what what would happen? And, you know, to answer the question of the night. U.S. Constitution says nothing about where or when it should be delivered. It just needs to be delivered. And many presidents before Woodrow Wilson, they were all about some, you know, just giving it, you know, as a handwritten address. So, so there's some fun facts for you. Um, and also, you know, in retaliation, Trump told Nancy Pelosi, well, says I can't deliver my State of the Union address you can't use any U.S. government planes. Now, she was actually planning a trip to go visit troops. Now, in her defense, you know, I think it was great that, you know, she wanted to go address the troops. However, I think that she shouldn't have, you know, said, well, I'm going to go visit troops during a, you know, government shutdown. Um, I think that, you know, she could have, you know, planned that a little bit differently. Now, there was reports that, you know, when she canceled, it was already canceled before the president, you know, even, you know, said that, you know, no government employees can use the planes. Um, 
But, you know, that just goes to show how childish this man could be. Um, so with the shutdown temporarily halted for two weeks, is he going to allow, um, is he going to allow government officials to use airplanes to, you know, go, you know, handle government business? And also someone actually pointed this out. He said this through a tweet that she was planning on going to Afghanistan, you know, during a specific time. Now, when I was in the Navy, we were taught loose lips sink ships, which means you don't go out there and go, you know, start, you know, blabbing about information as, you know, movements. You don't talk about that because that could, you know, give information to the enemy. So Trump pretty much jeopardized that anyways. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's just, he's just crazy. He is crazy. I mean, did anyone see Saturday Night Live last night? Because I watched it, and there was this part during Weekend Update that, you know, when Trump starts seeing all these crazy tweets, we just need to start replying, you know, basically treating him like he was like our dog and saying, oh, who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? And I actually started doing that. Because I think that Trump, you know, needs to be, you know, treated like an adolescent or a child or, you know, any way would be, you know, perfectly fine. Um, so, yeah. So this week in Trump, he, you know, has been dealing with this shutdown and lying to his base and lying to everyone else. I mean, there was a, there was actually a report that came out saying that Donald Trump, like, seriously, like last year, lied over 6,000 times that was recorded. Man, that's a lot of lying. I mean, I always thought that, you know, there was like something in the Ten Commandments about thou shalt not be lying. Um, you know, crazy me for, you know, thinking about that. But anyways, yeah, that was a that was a report that I actually uh saw stating that Trump has lied over over six thousand times on record. I mean, that is just crazy. But you know, he is pretty crazy. I mean, if you don't believe me, just get on Twitter right now to start reading. He is pretty fucking crazy. Um, but you know what? I don't think this is going to last too much longer because I'm pretty sure that, you know, from the talk on Capitol Hill is, you know, all these committees are already looking at him under a huge microscope. And, you know, we may be hearing the word impeachment happening more and more and more, you know, over the next six months, which I guarantee is going to happen. I'm willing to put my money on that. Now, is he going to get impeached to the House? There's a good probability. Will he get impeached to the Senate? I don't know. That's still, you know, it's a toss-up. Republicans still own the Senate. But as we've been seeing lately, Republicans are kind of not, you know, sticking to him. Republicans are starting to go, you know, to another area of the baseball field lately. So, you know, we need to, you know, keep an eye on that. So, so this week in Trump. He, you know, the, the shutdown has ended for the last two weeks, but there was a lot of craziness this week. We'll be right back. And welcome back to our final segment, Final Thoughts with Steve. So looking at my glass of scotch whiskey, I can tell you that it is empty, which means we have come to the end of this week's amazing podcast episode 
So this week, we're going to be talking about America's heroes. Now, the reason why I'm doing this is because, one, we don't pay tribute to our heroes enough. Two, we only do it during specific days of the year. And three, we need to, you know, we need to be a little bit more appreciative than what we've been. And I'm going to tell you why. First, um, a week ago, we lost a police officer. He was gunned down in the line of duty. Um, in fact, if any of y'all follow me on Twitter, um, I actually broadcasted, you know, the funeral services and everything live. Um, and that was Sean Tudor. Um, you know, he was, he was my age. And, um, you know, throughout, you know, all last week, you know, flags were flying at half mass and, you know, the people in the city that I belong to was just, you know, you could tell that the city was actually mourning the loss of this police officer. Now, I know there's a lot of things going on within, you know, when it comes to the relationships between police officers and neighborhoods. I'm not going to argue that because, you know, we see it all the time on social media. Um, and if you don't see the videos, you know, you sure as hell read it in the comments. Um, and I understand there's, you know, there are some bad apples in the bunch. I understand that. And I understand that, you know, police officers need to work harder to better relationships between themselves and the people that they serve. However, we need to also take under account that there are a lot of great public servants out there. There's a lot of great police officers out there. And we need to be, you know, more aware that these people are, you know, they're willing to run into the fire to save lives if it comes down to it. I mean, look at what happened in Texas a few years ago when that shooting happened. I mean, you know, there was cops that was running into the line of fire to stop the madness that was going on. And, you know, there was police officers that were lost that night. And, you know, we don't, we, we as a culture, we as a society has this tendency of, you know, taking advantage of, of some public services and law enforcement is definitely one of them. Now, you know, when it comes to our law enforcement officers, I give the utmost respect to a police officer because one, you know, he puts on that uniform every day. He kisses his wife. He kisses his kids. He doesn't, he or she does not know that, you know, that could be the last day that they have together. And, you know, I knew a lot of friends of mine that were in the military that, you know, we lost in the wars and everything. And, you know, a lot of friends that I was, you know, in the military with are now police officers throughout the country. And, you know, we, we always end up having this conversation, um, you know, you know, involving, you know, police and race relations. And, you know, we always come back to the, you know, original thought that, you know, we just need to start talking to each other and we need to start listening to each other. And, you know, we need to start paying attention to each other. But, you know, our city has buried 
the second police officer in a year. Eleven months ago, we were burying a you know a police officer that was killed in the line of duty, and eleven months later, here we are again. And it got me really thinking about you know our law enforcement, our you know first responders, our firefighters, our paramedics, um, you know our nurses. You know we don't even think about them. We don't think about doctors and nurses, but, you know, they've dedicated their lives to help people. We need to start thinking about them. You know, of course, we always, you know, think about our military. Um, you know, I love the military. I love my brothers. I love my sisters. I miss that life in a way. Would I go back to that life? Would I do this all over again? Absolutely. If the time and the opportunity arose... I would go serve my country again. There's no greater love than a person that was willing to lay down his life for his friends. That's what scripture says. And while walking around my city this past week and the feeling, you know, that you know people knew this police officer, people were obviously mourning this police officer, this tragic death that may could have been avoided. I found myself this weekend while I was downtown again, you know, thinking about, you know, I would see the police officers, you know, patrolling downtown, walking, you know, around downtown. And I actually saw two police officers um, talking to this elderly couple and, you know, they were laughing and everything. I could tell that, you know, this elderly couple was, you know, telling them that, you know, they appreciated them for what they did. And it got me thinking, you know, this is something that we need to start doing. We need to, you know, come together and, you know, just being a little bit more appreciative towards each other. Because, you know, you never know. That police officer that pulled you over last night and gave you a ticket, that police officer could be shot and killed in the line of duty tomorrow or tonight. And, you know, it may come to a shock that, man, maybe I shouldn't have been a complete asshole to that guy. And, you know, almost all of us, we all know a nurse or a doctor. Um, you know, I, I know plenty of nurses. And, you know, not until now do I start thinking, you know, maybe we should thank them also. Because, you know, nurses, first of all, nurses work 12 to 14 hour schedules. They don't get paid, you know, that well. Um, they deal with some really, you know, crazy people at times. Some of them witness, you know, children being rushed into the ER with massive gunshot wounds to the chest. You know, kids, you know, losing their lives in ERs. You know, they experience all these emotions and they get up and they continue on with their job. And, you know, when my son was in the hospital right after Christmas, you know, I was, I was always respectful to his nurse. I mean, he had a really cool nurse. I always like nurses that come in that actually have tattoos, that actually have an edge to them. Um, but... I always gave that respect to that nurse because I know that nurse has been through a lot in their career um, and they will continue to go through a lot within the duration of the career. And you know, it makes me think, you know, this is something that, you know, we take, you know, we take for 
you know, we take advantage of. We always take advantage of those who help us. So, does relationships need to improve? Absolutely. We need to improve relationships between our local officials and our communities. You know, I've seen the videos on Facebook. I'm sure all of y'all have too. You know, the videos that, you know, the cop shooting the basketball with kids or the cop, you know, there was a kid who, you know, grew up in the projects and it was his uh, first week of school. His parents couldn't afford a backpack. So the police officer, there was a police officer that actually showed up to the house that had a book bag that was full of school supplies. And, you know, we always see those, you know, the subtitle, you know, police officer does a good deed. Police officer plays basketball with kids. I see it as police officers being more involved with our communities. And I think that, you know, that should be taught in law enforcement that, you know, the community that you serve, you know, you also, you're a part of that community as well. And to better relationships means to get out of your squad car and interact with those that you serve. Because at the end of the day, we are all public servants. We all have a job to do. And our job is to help the public. And when it comes to public safety, the job is simple, keeping people safe. And the best thing that we can do as public officials is to better the relationships within our community and leave our communities better than what we found them. That's what I think. And in return, we as citizens, we should be a little bit more appreciative of the people that are willing to serve our communities. So to our listeners that may be police officers, firefighters, EMTs, nurses, doctors, military, veterans, we thank you. We thank you for your service. We thank you for your sacrifices. And we stand behind you to the citizens of my hometown that are grieving this week at the loss of this officer. Our hearts are with you. We grieve with you. To the family of Sean, it's a, it's just a, it was just a terrible feeling. And we are thinking about his family. We are praying for our city. And at the end of the day, it always goes back to my original point. We need to start being better human beings. And that would do it for this week's episode of Political Thoughts with Steve. So, as of right now, we have almost 1,500 followers on Twitter. So, if you're not a fan of the show on Twitter yet, make sure you go to twitter.com slash official PTWSTEV. That is at official P-T-W-S-T-E-V. Click that follow button. I guarantee you we will follow you back. Um, we are going to be establishing our Facebook page again, and we are also going to be getting on Instagram. We are trying to cover all of the social media platforms. Um, also, um, next week, I'm going to give everyone a sneak peek to next week. We're always talking about federal stuff. We 
you know, I, I never talk about local stuff, but I'm going to be talking about some local stuff. I'm going to be talking about something that is kind of sexy when it comes to all of us political people. And we're going to be talking about corruption. Yes, corruption. I'm going to be talking about, you know, what we see, you know, in Europe versus what we see here. And also stories that are coming from, you know, local government when it comes to corruption stories. So just to give you a little bit sneak peek of next week, it's going to be a pretty good episode for next week. So if you haven't yet, I want every single one of you to go ahead. If you're listening to on iTunes or iOS, or if you listen on Anchor or Spotify or Podbeam or any of the other major podcast platforms, I want all of you to First, subscribe to our podcast. Tell your friends about us. Have them subscribe to our podcast because we're looking for more people to reach out to. Um, second thing I want you to do is rate us. We have been you know, getting a lot of reviews on Apple. So if you could just you know, send us a rate, we would very greatly appreciate it. Also, if you want to support us, we are now accepting monthly subscriptions. And your monthly subscription is $10 a month. Now, with that 10 bucks, that 10 bucks is going to help with some much needed new equipment and some soundboards that we need so we can make our show sound you know, more attractive to you. It's going to go, you know, towards other stuff and related to our shows. So, you know, if you want to subscribe, I want you to go to anchor.fm slash political. T-W-S-T-E-V-E, that's anchor.fm slash political T-W-S-T-E-V, or just search Political Thoughts with Steve on Anchor. It will go to our official Anchor page and click that donate button, and you can donate all the way up to $10. So anything would help us. So, you know, we really need that. Also, um, we're, to all of our Patreons, that sign up and subscribe to us. We're going to be making some really cool gifts, some t-shirts, some beer coolers or some uh, beer cozies, you know, hats. Um, if you're going to be at pod X at the end of May into April in Nashville, I will be there. I plan on seeing a lot of my um, fellow podcast family members there. Also, there's a couple of uh, amazing, uh, awesome women that have a really cool podcast that I talk to on the daily. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing them and seeing some other amazing um, podcasts at PodX in Nashville. That will be the last weekend of May into the first weekend of, uh, I'm sorry, the last, yeah. The last weekend of May into the first weekend of June. I got to like really remember that because I'm graduating uh, grad school May 15th. So, yeah, five more months, everyone, five more months, and I am done with my master's degree. I'm going to take some time off, recharge my batteries, and I'm going to apply for my doctorate. So, that's that's what's going on with me. So, um, yeah, just go to my anchor, uh, go to anchor.fm, search Political Thoughts with Steve, Hit that button to donate to us, and I guarantee you'll get some really cool stuff with that donation. Um, also, um, I've been asked 
by some of our friends on PodX is a podcast convention. It's one of the largest podcast conventions in the country. Um, as I said, it's the last weekend of May going into the first weekend of June. It's in beautiful, amazing Nashville, Tennessee. I have family in Nashville. Um, I was in Nashville a month ago. I love Nashville. Um, we're going to be in Nashville. So if you're going to PodX, find me. Find us. We would love to talk with you. Um, and also, you know, converse on how we can all make our podcast community even greater. Um, and I think that's it. Um, yeah. So remember, thank a veteran this week. Um, tell them that you love them. Um, hell, thank all of our first responders this week. Um, and we will talk to everyone next week for next week's episode of Political Thoughts with Steve brought to you right here on Anchor. See everyone next week.